I want to take a moment and thank God and also acknowledge any person who's ever studied, who's ever given their time um, in our Bible college. And our college actually began in 1976, a small group of people that committed their lives to continue the words of Jesus. The college isn't about us, it's actually about the words of Jesus Christ. And in the Great Commission, Jesus said, to go out and to make disciples. And that's what this church exists to do. It's why we have Bible colleges. It's simply to train men and women to hear, learn, study, understand, and then go out and action the words of Jesus Christ. That is a high privilege and that is a great honour. And I do want to acknowledge Uriel, who's here today with Alice. Thank you for your time as the principals of the college to these students. To Pastor Neil and Pastor Grace, thank you for your lives, your example, your dedication, and your love for the word. And to Peter Thomas, who actually put most of the structure of the college together over three decades ago, thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor um, to be the principal last year and this year. Let's just pray a moment as I open up the word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your beautiful Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way. This is your word. You have breathed life upon the words that are sacredly being preserved. Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts as only you can. I pray, Lord, that you might bless, that you might transform, and that we might hear your voice today very clearly, and that we might be able to be and do as you have commanded us to live by your word today. Empower us through your spirit as these words are spoken. I'm just an empty vessel, Lord. Take my mind and heart, take my lips. Have your way, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, God does love us. He loves us so much that he gave us the word of God. He gave us this book. This is the greatest book you will ever hold. Praise God, we live in a country where this book is still freely available. 57 countries in the world today ban the Bible. It is hated. People lose their limbs, they lose their eyes, they even lose their life because of this book. Because this book is the word of God. This, this book is the word of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. This word is eternal. This is not any simple book put together by men. Men sat and wrote the Bible under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. And the reason it's had the impact that it's had is because it is an alive book. This book is alive. And we've heard how it will change our life if we stand on the word, if we allow it to transform our mind, and if we then allow the power of the word to come out of our life, things change in this world. And it's one of the greatest gifts in your life. And I grew up without the word of God. So when I found Jesus at the age of 21, as a young woman lost in drug addiction and alcoholism, and I was very ill, 
I was unstable emotionally. I was very, very unhappy and an angry, bitter girl at the age of 21. And I found Jesus in a radical way, which is another story. But someone gave me a Bible, and I'd never read the Bible. And I opened it up, and the first thing that I read was from John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 16. And I've shared this many times as part of my story. But God spoke to me through the words that I read, and he said in those words, you did not choose me. I have chosen you to go and to bear fruit. Whatever you ask, it will be given to you. And I shut the Bible. When I read those words, it went straight into my soul. It went into my spirit. God communicated himself, his voice into my life through the witness of this living word. And that's what he wants to do in your life. You have a gift and it graces your bookcase, your table. Maybe it's sitting on your bedside table beside your bed when you go to bed. Open up the Bible. Open up the gift. Read the Word of God. Receive the wisdom, the power, the influence, the mind of God, the heart of God, the character of God. It's here for you to read. We can hear God speak to us as we read the Word. It's alive. It has power to go in. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, Oh, sorry, chapter 4, verse 12, that it is alive and active. It is like a double-edged sword, two mouths at each end. The word goes into us as we read it, and it goes deep inside to divide our soul and our spirit, and even the marrow around the tendons. It's able to go inside of us and divide and bring clarity, truth, freedom and power as we read it, as we feed. And I read the Bible like it's the first time I've ever read it. I always pray, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what your word is saying. Let me feed and receive the truth of this word. Let it come into me actively going in alive. And let it cut out of my heart what is not of you. Because that's what the Word of God is designed to do. It's designed to cut straight to the motives of your heart and mine. To reveal to us our true condition. And you know, you can read lots of books. But this is the only book that will read you. This is the only book that will read you and show you who you are. This declares who you are as a man of God. This declares who you are as a woman of God. This defines you, directs you, challenges you, saves you. This has saved my life. This saved my life over and over and over in my dark times, in my agonizing times. It's the word that gave me life. It's the word that brought my heart back to a place of forgiveness. It fed me when I was starved and dehydrated in my spirit. 
when I've felt abandoned and confused, it is the word that has spoken life. It is the word that has breathed hope into my spirit and soul. It's the word of God because it's alive. This word on every page, you will come face to face with Jesus Christ. Every page will declare and magnify the Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ. He is the living word. And John, the apostle, when he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, everything that was ever made was made by the word of God. Christ created all things and holds at his command by his power. According to Colossians 1.16, he holds the whole earth, the universe, in its place today through his mighty word. That same word that holds everything in the universe alive and in perfect balance so that we don't disintegrate is alive when you read it, is able to hold you together, is able to empower you in your life. That's why it's worth studying. It's actually worth living by and it's worth dying for, as many have. People in Korea who have banned the Bible have killed people because of it. A young 25-year-old man, one of the first people to love the word so much in the 1860s. I'll give you his name. You can look it up and study it. Robert Germain Thomas. He fell in love with Jesus as a young man. He went to Bible college in London and then felt God call him to take the Bible to Korea because in Korea no one could hold a Bible. So he smuggled Bibles and he took a ride on a ship and the ship began to sink and witnesses testify, historically testify, that Robert with his arms packed with as many Bibles down his pants and in his arms, as many Bibles as he could physically hold, jumped out of the ship and ran in the water with these Bibles and he was met by angry, angry people who clubbed him and stabbed him to death. That's how much he loved the Word of God. He loved the word of God that much that he wanted to put it in the hands of people. He saw the need and he was desperate and he gave his life. That's how much he loved the word. How much do you love the word? How much do you care about this? How much do you care about getting this in the hands of your children? Getting it in the mouth of your loved ones? How much do you care really about the Bible? How much do you care and take responsibility to hear the words of Jesus and share those words of life with those that you love, that you actually care about? That's a challenge for us. But the word of God is so alive. It's not up to us. We don't hold the power. We just need to be the vessel. We need to be committed to take the opportunity to share the word. If you have studied and you know the word, it is upon us a responsibility to take that word and share it with others. Not to hit someone or stab them with it, 
to lead someone to Jesus. This word is to lead people to Jesus Christ. It's not for what we know, it's for who we know. It's about who we know, we want to introduce them to. And I call you, former students, former lecturers in this ministry, in this church, I call you to take up that word, to take up the responsibility, to share the word and allow the Holy Spirit to use you to share the word. As you go out, Susan, Ashley and Peter, you were trained for a purpose. You've been marked by the Holy Spirit and you are anointed to share the word of God, to take the truth and to be the vessel, the Holy Spirit. We are giving you that opportunity. You are going out under the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do that. And Jesus told us to do that. Just some things I want to mention that I was reminded of in preparing my thoughts for this message. The scripture is breathed out by God himself. Think about that. As God has breathed life upon every living thing, that's how he has breathed upon the words that are written in this sacred book. Do you know that this book is the most loved book in the world? Do you know that there's over 7 billion Bibles in print today? Why is that? Think about this. Take all the books that have ever been published in this world, all of them, all of the literature and every book that has ever been published and printed. We're talking now how many? If you look at the daily sales of those books and you look at the sales of the Bible, the sales of the Bible on a daily basis in the world and the distribution of Bibles dwarfs all the combined printed books of our day. It's never mentioned in the New York bestsellers list, but it dwarfs the sales of every other book over and over and over and over for the last hundreds of years since it's been in print in the first Bible in the 14th century. That's how powerful it is. And when you study it, expect God to speak to you. Pastor Neil said yesterday we had a college retreat and he made a statement uh, that was made by Francis Chan. Do you remember what it was? Can you say it for me? Every time you read the Bible, you are reading the voice of God. Every time, every time you are reading the voice of God. The voice of God will speak to you as you read it. It's so powerful and beautiful. Students and men and women today, this word is eternal. It will exist far beyond you and I. It has no beginning and it has no end because Jesus is God and has no beginning and end. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the grass will fade, the flowers fade. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord will remain forever. Isaiah 40 verse 8. Every moment that you spend investing in the Word of God is eternal in you. It will bear life always. It will never die, not one part of it. This book is loved. It's loved 
with over 100 million people purchasing the Bible every single year. 2,300 Bibles are sold an hour, and that's just in the Western world. Sold, purchased, not distributed, that's another whole nother level of thousands of Bibles. Do you know that this has been translated into 1,200 languages? 1,200, and it is currently being translated into another 1,300 languages. Why do men and women dedicate a lifetime and invest all that into something which is just meaningless? Why do people fight against this word to try to disprove it if it's not real? Why is that? Because it's alive. Because it's a living book. Because on every page, the breath of God rests and gives life. And we don't have to fight against those that fight against the word. They're fighting against God themselves. And how many atheists, I love to read about those that were really staunch protesters of the word of God that were apprehended by the Holy Spirit and became the greatest now dedicated scholars and theologians of the word of God. So many, you never read that in the papers or see that in the media, but that's the truth. This book is beautiful. This book is sacred and it's been given to you as a gift to bless you, to help you, to guide you. It's the map to guide your life. For every living day you have, you have the voice of God ready to speak to you, ready to comfort you, love you, direct you, give you wisdom. Wisdom that is divine, not human not under the influence of culture or race or creed. This is timeless and yet it is foretelling history as we speak. And Jesus studied this word. Every word that came out of his mouth was the truth about himself. And I don't know if you're here today and you've never really understood who Jesus is or what he came to do. We sang and we worshipped him because we adore him. Jesus gave himself to come and show us God, to demonstrate God's love. God sent him and he was born through a virgin and lived a very beautiful life. As a young boy, he studied the word, the Torah, the first five books. By the age of five, Jesus, because he was a rabbi, He's called a rabbi 60 times in the Gospels. And as a rabbi, he had studied as a little boy. Jesus himself studied the words that you get to study. He memorized Genesis and Exodus and Numbers, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He memorized it. That's the age of my grandson. Can you imagine learning and memorizing all of that? He knew it all. And by the age of 12, Jesus was in the temple. When they went to the Passover celebration, Jesus stayed in the temple and asked questions. And it says in Luke 2 that the teachers of the law in the synagogue marveled and were amazed at the teaching that came out of Jesus because he had learned the word. He was the word, and yet he studied the word, fulfilling it. There were 332 prophecies 
made about Jesus Christ before he was born. And they outlined where he would be born, how he would be born, where he would grow up, where he would live, how he would live, how he would die. A description of the actual crucifixion of Christ described in Psalm 22, described in several places that Jesus knew that he would one day fulfill. And it was written and foretold in prophecy 2,500 years before he was born. Over 2,000 years before there had ever been a crucifixion, which was a Persian form of torture. Before anyone had ever seen a crucifixion, it was described that Jesus would die by that crucifixion. And can I tell you, he did that for you today. He died a gruesome death. God sent him. He lived a sinless life for the one purpose, to come and die on the cross like the one behind him. And when he gave his life, he did it willingly. It was the only way to save man from our sin. He came and John saw him as the Lamb of God. You are the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. He died as a lamb led to the slaughter on a cross, crucified. He said nothing. The God of heaven and earth who made all things and at his word and command holds all things said nothing and let them kill him. Do you know what got him through the crucifixion? You. Love for you is what kept him on that cross. He died for you. He gave his life for you. There's no turning back from that love. That love demands a response from you. It demands a response. And that's why we have the opportunity to accept Christ, to accept his word or to deny and reject it. No one else can decide that for you, only you, friend. But that decision will determine your eternity. It will determine how you spend eternity and where you spend eternity. And it's important that you understand this word is not just a book. You need to read it. You need to understand what it says and believe it. And then have the honor, the joy to live by it. If you live by the word of God, I'm not saying you'll never have a problem in your life. You will. Because this world is full of things that are led and demonstrated as as the manifestation of men's hearts that don't follow God. Evil, poverty, death and murder are all the work of a creature called the devil. There is evil in this world. And that evil comes because God's not in that We are here. You are here. You are alive. Today you're hearing my voice because God wants to tell you that he sent Jesus to love you, to restore you. And he gave you the gift of his word so that you could live by the gift. You could nurture your life, feed it and grow an incredible life. You could become someone that looks just like Jesus. My question to you is, do you believe this book? And if you don't believe it, can I ask you why? Why won't you believe it? Is it because of your family? Is it because of your sin? 
Is it because you are afraid? What are you afraid of? God only wants to love you and bless you. He only wants to help you. He only wants what is good for you. He's a good father. He's a great father and he loves you. And he's given to you himself. And today he gives you an opportunity to say, yes, I want you. God, I need to get my life closer to you. I wonder if you'd just bow your heads with me. And Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would bring conviction, that you would bring your voice, your heart, Lord, flow into every person that's here and listening. I pray that, Father, you might have your way, Holy Spirit, that we'll stop running and fighting you. We'll stop hiding and come into the light, come into your love and receive the greatest love that you could ever give to us. Your beautiful son gave his life for us. I pray, Lord, that you might just touch, touch every heart. And maybe today I will ask you to just say a prayer with me, if you would to invite Jesus to come into your heart. Just simple words. Just say these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You died for me. You rose again. And I need you in my life. I receive your word. And by faith, I believe your word. Lead me, God, and show me what I must do. I commit my life to you right now in Jesus' name.